Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Gordon Mack here with a special guest today. We have Miles Split's own Nolan Jez, who is getting ready for a track meet in the middle of a pandemic or the end part of a pandemic. We, you know, it's crazy times. Uh, the Virginia Showcase is back in Lynchburg, Virginia, live on Flow Track and Miles Split. This, what year is this of the Virginia Showcase? Uh, so this is going to be our fifth year, and it will be our fourth year as the largest indoor track meet in the United States. Wow. Okay. So year five slash four. I guess first question is when – luckily, we had this meet last year in January, so it was normal times. But now those normal times have changed even all the way a year later. Um, from a meet director perspective, how are you feasibly putting this on a big high school meet during these times in an, on an indoor track? Um, so first off, I mean, it's a lot smaller than it has been in the past. Like normally we'll have five to 6,000 athletes. We're going to have about 2,500, which is still a lot of athletes. Um, it's probably one of the largest sporting events in the country this year. Um, and really it's, you got to communicate and be able to be flexible. We had our Zoom call with our officials last night for two hours and just said, be flexible, you know, give people a break, um, help them out. If you're done long jump, go help, you know, relieve an umpire or something like that. Because a lot of the events, I mean, we're gonna go from like 7 a.m. to 11.30 p.m., three days in a row. And you just gotta space it out to make it safe. So what are like the main new rules that you're, having to follow in order to achieve a health and safety protocol sanctioned meet? Yeah, so Virginia's lucky. We're kind of like in this sweet spot in the middle. Um, and I mean, it, it's mainly political where it's like they don't want to go too far to one side or the other. So our restrictions have been lenient in the fact that we can have sporting events, um, but strict, we can only have 250 people in the building and 25 paid spectators at a time. So you could have, in theory, 150 coaches and athletes and only 25 spectators, which makes it hard. And, you know, we get yelled at and stuff like that, but we're just like, it is the law. We cannot allow more parents in here. But um, a little behind the scenes is you take the 250 number, you take out the 25 spectators, then you take out the 30 officials, and uh, media people and then you take out 20 facilities people like custodians ushers ticket takers stuff like that and you have 175 spots for athletes and coaches and it is a nightmare because some events have 150 entries some have 120 so there's different allotments of coaches passes and you know we're just trying every little thing to make it work and keep us under that number okay so say you're a you're in the the mile. You're an athlete in the mile. Mm -hmm. What's a, what's an event they have a bunch of athletes in? Let's say the four hundred or uh, 300. the three hundred. The three hundred. We so got the, a lot of kids in that three hundred. So, so so say you're running the three hundred. You're in the middle of the pack runner. You're not one of the star like invite section three hundred runners. Your journey. What what is the plan for that athlete's journey from showing up to a facility to getting on the starting line to leaving the facility? What's the plan? So like, we, what's their journey? Yeah, we, yeah, like we try, like, I mean, cause there is a, there's a middle where you can be accommodating to athletes too much that, you know, you let them like a kid that runs, you know, 
two minutes in the 300. You let them use blocks or stuff like that. Like you got to have some rules, but we do let every athlete use lanes for basically every event except for like the unseated 500 or, you know, stuff like that for sprint events. We let the top like 60 or 70 use blocks for that stuff. But so the athletes will not be able to enter until their listed time on the time schedule. So if it says seven, that's when they can enter the building. They will come in. Distance races have 15 minutes inside before we go first gun. Sprint events have like 20 to 25. And we seed it slow to fast so that the better athletes have more time inside to warm up. And then, you know, we'll go from inside, get your bib, spike check, then filter them over to the other gym, like the holding area, and then to the clerk stand, and then, you know, onto the infield, then onto the track, and then we're getting you out there real quick after you're done running. You, <laughs> once you're run, you're like, all right, you got to go, like, right now. So I, I've never been to the, the Liberty facility. Where will these athletes be before their race? Are they going to be like sitting in their cars in a parking lot? Like what's going to be the plan for how they, you know? So we actually just moved the meet this year to Virginia Beach. Um, okay. It's been at Liberty the past four years. And at either facility has great parking. Um, Liberty actually had some more running trails. But for us this year... We're basically just sending them like, hey, go run down to the ocean if you want to, you know, warm up. But uh, there's, I mean, it's like two, 3,000 parking spots. So, yeah, they just kind of wait in their car, wait outside. Um, we're split because you want nice weather so athletes can warm up outside, but you don't want it too nice because then everyone just congregates on that, like, promenade. And, like, God forbid someone from, like, the city or the health board drives by and is like, what the hell? are, you know, 300 people standing outside for. So it's kind of, you know, a give and take with everything. How do you, how are you communicating to the parents and the athletes this, these rules? And like, because a lot of people, you know, you're so used to the typical how a track meet works. They're like, oh, I'll just show up, you know, sit in the stands for a little bit, hour pre warm up, you know, lollygag my way to the starting line. Like, how are you able to like, communicate to the athletes this and then like enforce them be like no you can't come in or what's your name all right you can't come in yet type thing yeah so uh i mean the simple way is communicate and my number two guy walked 19.5 miles and i walked 22.5 miles in one day at our december meet on that first friday and we were the ones basically enforcing it so what the issue is is there, some events are so big, they have to be split into two parts and like sections one through 20 run. And you don't only have to worry about letting in sections one through 20. You have to make sure the officials know because they're running it efficiently and the spectators and the coaches for that second session aren't even inside. So, I mean, it's a logistical nightmare and you really have to, I mean, it's, it's all gas, no brakes when it comes. Once the meet starts, you can't stop what's going on and you just have to communicate, communicate, communicate. But uh, we got yelled at enough in December that we've made the necessary adjustments. We're going to post all the live updates on Twitter um, at VA Showcase. And that way we can say like, hey, we're letting in the next event in 30 minutes or we are, you know, 30 minutes ahead of schedule or anything like that. So that way we can communicate it with people and they don't have to be standing outside. 
I'm sure you saw, um, I think yesterday or two days ago, New Balance Nationals decided to cancel their championship. Uh, what, when, when you see other meets like canceling and being like, hey, we're not going to do it, but you're like, hey, no, we're still going strong. What's like your reaction to seeing other meet directors being pulling the plug, but you just adjusting and pushing forward? Yeah, like, I mean, like, your... talk about good yeah. luck. Yeah, like the, because I was at Liberty for the longest time, and had we not moved, we would not be having our meet this year. I mean, that's just, you know, like colleges are not going to rent out to external events. And so we were lucky to do that. Um, I'm also lucky that Virginia Beach spent like, what, 30-something million dollars on this track, and they want it to be used, and they'll be damned if there's not events in there every day that they can have them. So... I, you know, honestly, it felt like an obligation to the facility. Like they did everything they could to bring me and my team there for three events. And I feel like I owe it to them to put on an event. And as I've told people, you know, you can't count on having races because we've had people like even yesterday saying like, hey, we're going to run the two mile, but we don't know if we're going to run the mile. I was like, that's fine. But just know you're not going to have many more chances. Like this is you know, your one chance. And I was like, citing nationals getting canceled. I was like, Hey, like nothing is a given now. So you have to take every chance you get. And that's how we really comprised these historic fields was just kind of, that was our main sell to people was like, Hey, I don't think nationals is going to happen. And if it does happen, it's not going to happen like this. So, you know, train and try and peak here and not, you know, hold out till March. With the people who are kind of, this you know you see some track facilities deciding to bail and you've already done one dry run with a track meet and you do your bigger run coming up this weekend is there anything like is there any secret sauce or like secret ingredient of how to correctly run a track meet with the whole social distancing masking all these protocols in play like is there any like just key element to being able to do it successfully um you know, I think one of the things is just like, it's just communicate and it's not just at the meet, like me and my meet directors that, um, we all have our different roles. Um, and in an ideal scenario, I'm just, you know, getting yelled at and, or clerking. That's my favorite thing to love. If I can just clerk a meet, like that's when I know it's, it's running good. But the, uh, the key is just communicate beforehand so that everyone's on the same page. Um, and really, I mean, it's just a nightmare to like count, like I said, with the coaches and the athletes and we have to let the ticket takers know what we're letting in. So it's really just literally think of everything 10, 15 times. And I guess another thing too is we have that secret spot in the back where we can have a beer after the meet and decompress after each day. So we, we talked to the facility to make sure we knew there was a spot without cameras. So we could just chill out there in the cold and decompress after a long day. So meet is starts on Thursday or Friday. I think it is it starts so tomorrow. So Thursday, like we originally had Thursday as a local competition, is what we called it for like anyone to give them the options if they're in the area just to run. But we got maybe like 150 entries on that. So that's really just set up, make sure the live results work make sure all the splits are working. Um, Friday is the 14 and under day um, with all the little kids running and then the unseated field events and then for high school. And then Saturday and Sunday are the big days with 
kind of in the middle. We actually stole that idea from New Balance Nationals, where you put like three hours of great, great races back to back to back to back. So all the invite stuff is just in the smack middle of the day on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, speaking of the invite races, put together another great field. What can, uh, you know, some some Flowtrack viewers aren't as in keen and in tune with the high school scene as like the mile split viewers are. What can, like, what will be, what will, can the Flowtrack users get excited about? Be like, oh, wow, who's that girl? Who's that guy? I didn't see that coming that you think we're going to see, you know, come Sunday night after all the results are in and done. Yeah, I mean, I guess the little thing is like, so the meet has produced 72 U.S. number ones, 10 national records, and three U-20 world records um, in four years. So we're averaging a national record per day for four years. So, I mean, like, you're going to see, like, some great races. Um, going to definitely scare some college runners because they're going to see these young people that are, like, sophomores. Like, so Sophia Guerrerin from Rhode Island ran 202 last year in the eight and she's probably going to run 201 to flat 159. I mean, and she may not even win the race at 800. So it's going to definitely put a spotlight wait, 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 on hold these on. athletes. You, you're calling for a soft, uh, a junior high school girl to run 159. Is that, is it, did I just hear that right? Yeah. I mean, like, dude, <laughs> like she ran 447 in the mile, like in, as basically a rust buster, um, two weeks ago, she came back. An hour later, ran 55. I mean, that type of range is really good. And she was hitting the splits. I mean, like, the first 200 in that 400 was, hey, you cannot run faster than this. And the field we've comprised, I mean, Juliet Whitaker, Rasheen Willis, Sophia Guerrero, Bailey Goggins, Michaela Page, and Taylor James, you have six girls that are 205 or faster. And three of them are... 203.1 or faster from last indoors. How, have you like got any vibes from these elite athletes of their excitement level, knowing that, you know, there's not many, like there's no Milrose games for them to enter. There's no new bounce nationals. Like, have you gotten like a specific, like, Oh my goodness. This like, is it in a way, are they like peaking for this meet? Cause it might be the only meet until outdoor starts. Yeah, I mean, so, like, when we first started the meet, we were um, kind of humbled just to have them there. But we have figured out, like, you have to have a swagger about you to make, like, say, like, no, we we are the, the meet. Like, we don't care about you qualifying for all these other meets. Like, this is the meet that you want to win. And for the part, it, it's going to take a U.S. top five time all time to win. Like, any event. Like, you look at our meet records and... You pick one and it's ridiculously fast. Boys 800, 151. Like girls 800 is going to probably take two flat this year to win. So, you know, you know, we're humbled when, you know, we have a partnership with Milrose where we're a qualifier. We're the only out of New York qualifier for them. Um, but at the same time, like we're not just satisfied with that. We're like, well, hell, like we want to have a faster meet record than they have. And... We're trying to be, you know, the best high school meet in the country every single event. And we hang banners. Uh, so I'm a UK grad, um, not great at basketball this year, but in their gym, they only hang national championship banners. And that's like what we do at the VA showcase is we only hang national records. 
that's our wall of fame. You set a national record, you get your face up there. And like, you have athletes like a thing Mo who before the meets just talking about like, I'm gonna get up on there. I'm gonna get a banner this year. And the athletes know that. And I think they appreciate those little subtle touches that show like that we have confidence and we're not going to like compare ourselves to others because you know, no one can really compare ourselves in the high school meet range these days. So you talk about the women's 800 uh, with a bunch of sub 205 girls going for that low to flat range. What other unique uh, unique events do we have coming up that people might be a little interested, want to tune in to watch live? Yeah, so four of those girls are actually going to run a four by eight together and going to shatter the U20 world record. I mean, it's by, are they going to beat it by 20 seconds or 30 seconds? Um, and then... Because, you know, it being kind of club sanctioned this year, we're trying to get some more all-star teams here and there. Kayla Davis and her teammate Shanti Jackson are going to run on a 4x4. Four four. So it, it could be a U20 world record in there, and they could do it the the fun way where it's a 58, a 58, a 52, a 52. And you just <laughs> get to see them chase down people. And then for the individual events, um, that 200 on the boys' side, uh, Lawrence Colbert, Udodi and uh, Gavin Schur, you have three boys that have run like 21-1 or 21-0 this year indoors. And with the track being a little bit steeper banked and competition, like Noah's Lyle's record of 20.63, I think it is, like it, it's far out there, but like we're talking about guys that could run that. And if they have like a perfect race, you're talking about two or three boys running sub 21 in a single race. Um, like I think someone posted the top time, the top 10, 300 meter times all time for NCAA. And it was funny because four of our top five would make the top 10 all time for NCAA. So it just shows you like the level of talent that some of these events have. And like, you know, Obviously, some of them go on to big things like Lena Irby um, won R300, came back, won NCAAs, went pro. Um, but we're, we were really hoping this year we would have got at least two or three more, more national champs in the NCAA ranks um, just because our meet's only five years old now. So we're kind of in that range where we're going to have a lot more NCAA champions as our alumni. I'm trying to think some other events. Boys long jump. Um, you got Jaden Price Whitehead from Pennsylvania. He he has some swagger, man. That that kid, we were talking about him last night on the Zoom with the officials. He ran with a gator, sunglasses, and like a headband. So he like I don't know how he was able to even see the runway, and he <laughs> jumped twenty four ten and like three quarters as his opener and had no fouls. And I was telling him, man, I was like, that's impressive. Uh, during the first jump, I saw him. I was like, "But save something for the showcase. Like, don't, don't put it out there too far." He's like, "Oh, don't worry. He's like, I'm breaking the national record at the meet." So it's going to be fun to see, like, top to bottom. There's some great races. What uh, what about the long distance events? Are there any uh, interesting miles or two miles that we see? I know, you know, famously, Caitlin Tui came and ran an incredible 5K a few years ago. So, any uh, interesting long distance events that we have on? on tap yeah so the the girls two mile is i am so hyped for um sydney Travaldson, who was one of the her and taylor ewart pushed uh Tui to the line at nxn last year and she has basically been undefeated 
since that race. Um, she's from Wyoming and she's she trains at altitude. She trains in the cold. She doesn't get on these fast tracks and she's been running like 16, 15 and Bryn, um, Brown will be there as well. And Jenna Hutchins, we wish was coming, but her training just took her so long into December. They decided to, you know, have a different approach this year. She actually won the mile and two mile last year, but we love Jenna. And I think Jenna's one of the all time greats, but Sydney Trevaldson, in my opinion, had one of the most impressive, like cross country seasons ever. And that's saying a lot with Tui, Hutchins, Brown, and all of them in there. Um, I mean, she legit, the, the hardest record, I guess the best way of saying it is if she can break Mary Kane's 938 two-mile record, that will be the most impressive record we've ever seen broken at our meet. And that's saying a lot with Tui's 1543 5K, um, soloing it as a sophomore. So... The girls mile, um, Brooke Rober from New York will be there. It, I mean, it could take 440 and change or sub 440 to win that. Um, the boys mile, Nathan Green's coming out. Um, a couple kids, Petey from Florida, a couple kids from Georgia. Um, Marcus Riley is a name to watch in some of the distance races. He ran 412 as an eighth grader. So Whoa. he is, yeah, I know very, very fast. And I mean, he's on like pace to break like Edward Cheserek's like freshman record, Lucas Versabikis's records for age group. So, I mean, he's on a trajectory to run some insane times. And then the boys two mile, um, we have a couple guys from like West Virginia, Virginia, you know, it may take sub nine to win that um, satellite high school from Florida bringing their club team up. So, I mean, it'd be solid all around, but we really were trying to get, and we were originally on um, Reinhardt Harrison's list to try and come up and break four on the boys' side, but some stuff came up and he's unable to do that. So we're hoping that we'll be able to get him back next year against that freshman and see if we can get a really, really special race next year in that boys' one. It's just crazy that, you know, the Virginia Showcase, right? Uh, on paper, when you started, like, oh, it's just going to be like an invite meet for like some good kids in Virginia, right? And then now, you know, you're talking about kids from Wyoming, Florida, all over the country coming to a high school meet in one, you know, in a random state that doesn't have the, you know, the backing of a hundred year history like Milrose or the backing of this is the national championship. Where do you see this meet? After seeing how it's developed over the past five years, where do you what do you think is the next evolution of this meet come in the next five year cycle? Like you know, in year twenty twenty six or twenty twenty five. Yeah, I mean, like it's getting hard to get these national records because I'm trying to find different events that we can go after and stuff like that. But I mean, like this year has been the easiest year with recruiting. Um, and it could be the start of a whole new thing because of normally you have the high school sanctioning. And, and this is the same issue that Penn Relays will have, where it's like, hey, state associations are not sanctioning meets. You have to do, you have to make the tough decision. Are you going to allow clubs or high schools? And we made the decision in like November. I saw the writing on the wall. I was like, we're going club. And doing that is the reason we have like 40 states represented instead of just, you know, 15 or 20. 
is because we don't have to worry about rules for who can compete and who can't compete. And going forward, I mean, like, we definitely want to have high schools back, but it's like, you know, we want to be able to have these unattached athletes too. So we're going to have to find a medium there. Can you explain for our viewers why it's difficult, why it needs to be club? Like what's the, what's the main bugaboo about having different high schools competing? Yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously NCAA has their own little finicky things and stuff. So for high school um, to be sanctioned for schools, each state association has different rules. So North Carolina and Tennessee allow unattached athletes. Virginia does not. So we, if any athlete comes and competes at our meet, they have to represent their high school. So there's like some crazy stuff like Georgia. Georgia, they can come, they can run. They cannot run if it's before the end of the school day. So like they can travel, they can take the whole day off, but they cannot start until 3.30 p.m. for any Georgia runner. So like in a normal year, man, we are reseeding races. Like, oh, this one Georgia kid has to be moved 30 minutes later into like section 60 so we can make sure we're abiding by the rules. So it's like a ton of little finicky stuff. Um, and how, it, do you, it how do you find all on, How do you find all this information? Yeah, I mean, like, you just have to, you know, know your shit and just research it, research it, research it. And I mean, it, it's, there's a reason like not a lot of meats try and get that big. Um, one, they're scared. And two, like it is a headache and you have to like be transparent with state associations and tell them like, Hey, that's our bad on that. We'll work better on getting this, you know, documented in the future and making you aware of this and different things like that. But I mean, it's, it's a general set of rules and I'm a fan of whatever we can do that at least we have one set of rules that everyone's abiding by because you know, that that's just our sport. You have to have one set of rules. And so like, if you don't follow these rules, therefore it, the, the kids marks basically just aren't recognized by their state. And that's the main issue. Yeah. So in Virginia, that's the big issue is, if we went like off the rails, they could say, hey, none of these times are recognized by the state. And obviously, I mean, I, I akin it to the NCAA death penalty. If you get the death penalty, um, like when they told SMU, like, hey, you have the death penalty, SMU can go play football games. What they really do is tell everyone else, hey, we're going to put you on probation if you play them. And it's kind of the same way with state associations. It's like, they can't take away the results or rankings or stuff like that, but they can say your time will not count towards states. Your time will not count towards regionals. Your athletes are not eligible to run at the state meet. And we're there for the athletes. So we have to do everything by the rules to make sure. And Virginia has auto qualifying times. So we have to make sure the meet's sanctioned. And if we ever did do club stuff, we're always gonna offer at least part of the meet will be high school sanctioned just because if that's the case in Virginia, we want to take care of them and make sure they have the chance to qualify. So does when a national championship, do they get to play by different rules because they are a, a national? Yeah. It's body or USATF whatever? sanctioned, um, which is the same thing for us. We'll be USATF sanctioned this weekend. And what that means is basically it's just USATF rules and can be club unattached. 
Um, you can have younger kids running, stuff like that. Um, so there's different sets of rules in it. I mean, it, there's a, as in a meet, like director, promoter, manager, all that stuff, there's a fine line with accommodating and following rules. So, you know, like for our invitational stuff, we seed it the best way we can, but we will also seed it according to what we think it should be. And some meets won't do that. I know NCAAs, it's like, you have to run the time to get the lane. For us, you know, you have to prove why you deserve the lane. You don't have to have run the time. Um, and I think that's another reason that we've kind of stood aside from the rest where we'll work with those elite athletes and teams to get them the lanes they want. And I'll tell you, I'm actually kind of happy because the past couple years, it has been a nightmare for the three and the five. They've just been so stacked with Kayla Davis, a thing, Mo, um, let's see, Shanti Jackson, Leah Pyatt, all these really big name athletes, um, that have gone on to run, uh, Kimberly Harris, going on to Georgia or from Georgia, these kids that are getting D one scholarships and making impacts, you know, right away on teams running on A&M's relay team and stuff like that. And there's jockeying. And I will tell you, like I spend probably like 12 hours the week of the meet calling these coaches. All right. Your, your girl gets lane five in this race, but she has to take lane three in the next race and, you know, giving them, kind of working with them to compromise, to set the races up. And that's really how you get the elite athletes is you just say like, hey, you know, we'll put you in the right lane and you do your homework and I know who's going to run what. And for the most part, it works out that way. So you have coaches calling you, trying to get different lanes. What's the scenario that you have when, you know, a coach or an athlete calls you demanding a certain lane and you know they don't deserve it because you're like, hey, you, you think you're better than you are, but you also don't want to hurt their feelings. So what's that conversation like when you're trying to massage someone into a bad lane without them feeling like they – to make them feel like they earned that badly? Yeah, I mean, like, so the, the normal scenario is, like, if, if the team, I'm like, hey, like, I got your back, I'll get, you know, your relay, or you try and work with them somewhere, right? or help a person that's on the cusp of getting in the invite, get in there. Um, or, you know, say like, Hey, do me a favor this year. I got you next year. But the, the worst one ever was the boys 300 same year. Tui broke. It was 2018. Um, we had, I think three boys break 33. So historically great race. Um, and the U S number one at the time, was Austin Kratz from Pennsylvania. He had run like 33, like four, like something really fast, right? Like he, he had thrown down a time and his coach was livid with me because I put him out in lane six or lane three. It was one of the two, basically the worst lane. You could, I think it was six and Nick, Nick Ramey was in. And he's like, we're US number one. We need to get it. And I was like, dude, like read the meet page, lane assignments up to this. And I was trying to do everything polite. And eventually I had to just straight up tell the coach, like, dude, your boy's getting fourth. Like, I'm sorry. He's great. He's very good. He's going to run very fast time. He's not winning the race. And sometimes you just have to like kick it with them a hundred and say like, I'm sorry if you're mad at me, this is going to be the best race of his life. You're going to appreciate it after. And he got fourth. I mean, like I wasn't wrong. Um, and 
like Heron ran like 32.64, set a U20 world record. Eric Allen was right behind him. Tyrese Cooper was right there. Nick Ramey. So eventually, after all the results, we had the national champion of the 200, the national runner-up in the 200, the national champion of the 400, the national runner-up in the 400, and Tyrese Cooper was the fifth guy. So that was the field after nationals, um, which only made the race better knowing that they went on to do that. So that was the worst one because, you know, it put me in a tough spot where you just have to tell the coach, you know, honestly, like, hey, what what's going on? Like, th this is this is the way it's going to go. And it's not an insult to you or anyone. But sometimes you have to put the coaches in their place and say, like, hey, like your athletes, great. They're going to go to a D1 school. This person's going to the Olympics next year. Like they're going to get the better lane. So would you say your job's a little more unique and difficult as a meet director where you can't just be like these are the rules we follow them you gotta do more like you know kind of like a diamond league you know meet director where they're trying to give usain bolt a lane but then they want to please usain bolt's agents up and coming athlete giving them a spot in a different event you know where you can't just be like these are the ncaa rules you know submit your t first times and then we put it in order <laughs> you know Oh, I cannot wait to the East Coast Invitational. Um, that'll be live on Flow that I'm also hosting because it's just run it as it's seated. I don't have to worry about the jockeying and that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like we have probably like three or four meet directors um, under me that like one handles the officials and the volunteers and the sanctioning, and he's on the games committee. One that handles the operations of the track one that handles the operations and security of the meet and like the lunches and stuff like that so everyone has their own role um, my role is really just put the damn thing together and that's the hardest role for it because the thing that i've learned is you, get, you just got to get greedy be like the the miami hurricanes or be like alabama in that damn national championship game throw it on them and don't let it up <laughs> and that's the reason we have some of these fields is like I could get and, then, and I'll give you, you know, some meat directors, some nice tips on selling points is I tell meat like anyone. And it's kind of like what Calipari does. It's like, I'd love to have you at the meet, but I don't care if you come to the meet. What I care is that you run a good time and like you leave the meat happy. And we could promote the meat for years just saying, hey, we got Caitlin Tui to come to the meet. We got so and so to come to the meet. But what I want to promote is like what they did at the meet. And that's what I tell them. I was like, hey, at the end of the day, like I could give a rat's ass like who comes to the meet. It's a matter of like what they actually perform and do at the meet. And, you know, it shows with what they come and do because, you know, they want to live up to the hype as well. Have you thought about expanding to doing more meets, maybe uh, like creating a series, creating, uh, uh, getting more into the outdoor world or getting into college and pro, like, have you, you're getting your feet wet with these past five years, but I feel like your, uh, your, your Calipari vibe, you're, you're treating like you're Alabama, like you're Nick Saban in Alabama. Like we go, go big that you kind of, are you dreaming bigger and more down the line? Yes. I mean, one, I think the first part is like indoors. The reason I haven't gone outdoors and I've had everyone ask me to do, you know, outdoor meets left and right. Um, there's limited indoor facilities. Like it's just simple economics. There's only so many indoor tracks. I know other, every other meet director in the area. Um, even people that like, we don't directly work with each other. 
like the um, Prince George Sports Facility in Maryland or JDL Fast Track in North Carolina. Like, it, it's amazing how simple it is. Just talk to people and say, like, hey, I'm thinking of hosting on this date. I'd love if you were not on that. They don't want to go against this monster. Like, they, they don't want to try and have a high school meet the same weekend. And if you can just, like, be humble about yourself and say, like, hey, could you please move to this weekend? So that helps us. Um, and that's the reason I haven't gone to outdoor track because there's so many damn meets. Um, and there's only maybe, like, three that are, like, mega meets. And then for, like, doing other stuff. So the East Coast Invitational, um, going to be live on Flow Track. Nice little plug there. Um, the first weekend in February, we are going to make that a badass pre-nationals meet. Um, Virginia Beach is going to host NCAAs for four years, starting in 2023. And if AM and Oregon and LSU, all of them listening, man, you better get there a year before because we ain't letting you in just the year of the meet for <laughs> that one. Because we're going to, I mean, we're going to cap it like at 20 teams or so for pre-nationals. And we're going to bring in some pros and stuff. Grant Holloway was coming until Milrose game canceled, and he has to get a certain amount of points. So we're dealing with that. Um, we're in talks with some other world champions coming and just trying to get on the track. But so the East Coast Invitational is one, I think it's like the third oldest indoor meet in the country. And I bought the rights out to it um, this past year. It was used to be run at the Richmond Coliseum on a wooden bank track that they bring in from Madison Square Garden. And it was college pro. And I'm, it's like 60-something years old. And my goal is to bring it back to what it was and get it back to its glory. So it's going to be some elite high school stuff, um, some pro stuff, and, you know, being a really elite college meet. And I guess the best way of saying it is it's going to be the Milrose of the South, but – focusing more on college races than the pro races like the pro races will be good and we'll have three or four events each year but the focus is really going to be on those college um, teams and athletes and you're taking over for the first time this year right and then mm -hmm. for years yeah. beyond that crazy so uh are you, you you made it you made it you made a joke about like hopefully you know health and safety protocol people don't walk by to see a, a giant parking lot folded with all these people. Um, what, what's like the, like, I guess what's like the level nervous level, because, you know, you did a run through, but I guess it was a big less, lesser size of a meet when he did a meet in December, yeah. am I guessing? So like, what's like the, what's the feeling you have now two days out before everyone starts coming and all the, calibrations you've done in your head of how to make this meet work have to actually happen yeah i mean like i guess the big the biggest thing and the reason like the virginia beach people really love us is because we care and like if they said hey we just did a count and we have 251 people we were scrambling to get like 10 or 15 people out we were trying not to just get that one person out we were trying to get you know be completely compliant and transparent and when you show people that you're doing that, like, it, it just makes it a lot better. And God forbid something happened where they saw that, we, we cleared up immediately. And I'm sure they would work with us and understand that, like, hey, we're doing everything we can. Um, and obviously, it's outside, so it's, like, kind of impossible to tell everyone what to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's honestly, 
the the next 48 hours are like some of my favorite time because I stop getting damn emails. Like it, it just gets to that point that, I mean, I, I'm getting probably 150 emails a day for the last week and a half. And you have, and I, I mean, I'm not kidding you, and probably 100 phone calls and 50 texts an hour. And your head just has to be on a swivel, but there's this like medium ground with like, all right, I can be short with someone and rude, or I can be polite and talk to them. So I've tried to stay off the phone this year because I'm a long talker and just say, hey, email me please and get everything done. So it's just been a lot of long nights, staying up to like three and four in the morning, answering emails. Uh, I've learned, that's actually my favorite thing is I stay up later because no one can reply back like really quick. So at least I can see it get down and get back down to like 10 in my inbox. I'm like, all right, I can go to bed now. But like, if you normally like you send something to coach, like they have to respond. It's just like, they can't, it's like that meme with the button. They're like, shit, I just have to send yeah. one more and reply back. Um, I yeah. hate thank you emails. Never send me a thank you email because it just clutters up my inbox and I just want that thing clear. So the next 48 hours are great because basically like the hay's in the barn. Like, you know, once once we get to a certain point, the meat's happening, we've seeded it, we've posted things, we're not changing it. And, you know, I then I'll have 200 unread emails by Saturday afternoon, but I'm not gonna open it up. You know, I'm just gonna say, hey, run the meat, do what you can. I'll be sure to send you a thank you email after this podcast. Just to, uh, <laughs> right. give you one extra email you can read. <laughs> well, Nolan, I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, it's exciting times for uh, high school track and field, uh, and also the East Coast Invitational, which will be in a month after that. But uh, what, how, how many how many records are we going to see? What, what's the over under right now? Um, so we're I'll say we're going a little cheap with the fifty meter national records. Um, we're doing <laughs> what is route, I mean. Yeah, 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 exactly. I told you, I'm going to find a way to get these records this year. Um, the, the girls meter. 800, boys 200 might be down, girls two mile. So there's at least one or two U20 records that should fall. Um, probably four or five high school records that could fall. We may get one or two. Um, but for the, the 60... Um, the we're doing a 55 as a scored event, but we're going to run cameras. My timer hates me. We're going to run cameras at the 60 because some people need it. We're going to run cameras at the 50 to get that national record. But it, it is fast. I will say like the converted time is like you have to be basically like top 15 all time in the 60 to break the 60 national record. in route. Like it, it is. It's not chump change, but it is so you having, a lot easier. You having three cameras, a 50 meter, oh, a 55 no, and yet. a 60. Oh, what? Oh no. So you do the 55. Yeah. He hates me. He like when I told him this, this plan. So the 55 has two because you got to have redundant on both sides. So he has the main and he has the wireless. So you can run a double camera. The 60 has at least one camera in the rafters. So you have three cameras, then the 50. So you have four. And then I had the genius idea to listen to a coach that gave me the idea. We're going to run a camera at the 40 yard for the finals of that so we can shut these football players up saying they have track speed because we're about to have some girls run four or five in the 40 and <laughs> going to put them on blast. So, yeah, I mean, I my do like it. 
40 yard split for all the 60 meter dash. We need to do that. Oh, yeah. All colleges should do that. They should just have a 40 yard in route record for all NCAA athletes. And then we can just like, oh, Hey, flash results can do it. It's just, if you want to yeah. pay it, man, that, that's the thing is I'm paying for it. So they better get those fast times. That's what I tell them when like, they're like, oh, are you going to do splits? I was like, well, I'm paying for it. So yeah, we better have splits. <laughs> wow. I never saw a 60 meter race is going to have four different splits. Oh yeah. Got to get the records. Be- I mean, that's how like the 55 national record was broken in the, uh, the hurdles. I mean, Grant Holloway's record and then Trey Cunningham's record, they were in route records. So, and same thing with the 1500, the 1500, the 3k, you always got to, you know, cover all your bases. Cause like, that's one thing as a meat tractor, you don't want to have a record broken in route. Then you didn't have the camera out there. So that's a good point. You know, that that's, yeah, I mean, the, the most insane one we tried to do one year was we were trying to get Sydney McLaughlin to come run with her team in a three. She was going to run a 300. This was her senior year in high school. And then she was going to run shuttle hurdle relays with her team. And we had literally got it in writing that we could count that record from USATF if we put cameras at both ends. And had one getting her start and getting her finish. So we never did it, obviously, but <laughs> you know we're always looking for ways to have some record broken in route, some random way, um, like you know, like the fastest one fifty in route to a three hundred or whatever. We'll find a record to break. That's exciting. I'm excited for the uh, the five meter start record. You know, just like who has a, <laughs> the biggest like explosion out of the blocks. We'll see that in if 2025. If puts it down, man, we'll we'll put it up there. So if they if they list the record, you know, we we consider it a record that we can break. Sounds good, man. Well, I appreciate taking the time, uh, joining the podcast. Watch the Virginia Showcase this weekend, starting Thursday all the way through Sunday. Saturday and Sunday are the big events. Um, it's going to be great. Watch it live on Flow Track or Mile Split, whichever you have. I think if you have both. Most people have both. So watch it wherever you want, and it's going to be a good time. Thanks again, Nolan, and uh, to our listeners. We'll talk to you again on Friday.